Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WFAN 2020 Sports. Good morning. It's 6 o'clock. I'm Dave Uram. This report sponsored by Hum by Verizon. It's not a good morning for the Mets. Swing and a shot towards right field. Jay Bruce in pursuit of it. He can't get it. It's by him. It's on the warning track and the ball game's over. John Jaso wins out. He's being mobbed right past first base. 5-4 Pirates, the final in 10. Josh Lewin on WOR. John Jaso also tied the game in the ninth against Addison Reed. The Mets' fifth-blown save in their last seven chances, wasting home runs from Jay Bruce, Travis Darno, and Lucas Duda, as well as six innings of three-run ball from Zach Wheeler. It's frustrating. I mean, that's my job, and didn't do it. Uh, all I can do is get ready and then prepare for tomorrow. Reed, courtesy of S&Y, Reeler could have pitched into the seventh, but he was held out because of a blister. Not only that, but Terry Collins will need to wait even longer for his 68-year-old birthday present, which is Yoenna Cespedes coming back from injury. The outfielder with a sore quad, a setback with his rehab assignments, shut down until at least Tuesday. You know, if you put your sleeves on wrong, wrong sleeve in first, wrong arm in first, it's a, you know, it doesn't backfire as you rip your shirt. So no matter what we do, we, uh, it's not... Not, not working. Collins also from SNY. He gives the ball to Matt Harvey tonight against Andrew Triggs. Yankees also with a rubber game today, this afternoon on the fan pregame at 1225. And the reasons for that, a sixth inning Matt Holiday two-run homer that broke up a no-hitter for the A's, Jarrell Cotton. A five-out save for Dylan Patances, who got out of Tyler Clippard's eighth inning mess with two strikeouts. And a highlight real defensive play in the outfield from Aaron Judge. Now Sabathia is 1-1. Swung on, a little bloop to shallow right center, and it's going to be caught. Well, it went from Castro to Judge. Castro got the glove on it. It plopped in the air, caught by Judge. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. John Sterling in the sixth inning on the fan helped prevent a run, which was huge in a 3-2 victory. CeCe Sabathia's third win in a row, nine strikeouts, two runs over six in the third, left to a standing ovation at the stadium. It's great. You know, it's no other place that you would rather pitch. Um, well, is in the Bronx, and, you know, these fans have been very supportive of me the last nine years, and uh, tonight was no different. Michael Pineda, Andrew Triggs, today's pitching matchup. Red Sox winners of six in a row, six zip over the M's. Dallas Keuchel, 8-0. Astros and the O's, they're 6 L in a row, 5-2. Twins, 5-3 over the Rays. Blue Jays, 5 straight, beat the Rangers 3-1. Royals top the Indians, 5-2. White Sox, Tigers split double headers. Chicago, 3-0. Tigers, 4-3. Mike Trout, homer number 16. Angels, 5-2 over the Marlins. Steven Strasburg, career-high 15 strikeouts. Nationals blink the Padres, 3-zip. Phillies walked off on the Reds, 4-3. Giants top the Braves 6-3. Brewers over the Diamondbacks 6-1. Cardinals over the Rockies 3-zip. Dodgers blank the Cubs 5-0. And a baseball and baseball lost a Hall of Famer. Jim Bunning passed away at 85 from complications of a stroke. The righty pitched a perfect game against the Mets at Shea Stadium on Father's Day 1964. He was also a politician after his career. On the other side, one Cav is wondering why there's no love for Cleveland heading into the NBA Finals. Get answers before you have questions with vehicle diagnostics and more. Hum by Verizon's The Technology that connects you to your car. Learn more at hum.com. Fan 2020 Sports brought to you by the Memorial Day sales event at Security Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Amityville. 
Where does a daily routine consist of art, dance, and cultural experiences? Where can spending time with family simply mean knocking on your neighbor's door? Where can your home feature 32 lush waterfront acres overlooking the Hudson River? The answer to all these questions is Riverwalk, a premier independent living community with luxury residential style living. Located on the grounds of the Hebrew home at Riverdale, Riverwalk's spacious modern apartments offer concierge services, activities, and amenities tailored to your loved one's lifestyle. I've been to Riverwalk and witnessed older adults as they experience life in a vibrant atmosphere. I've seen the folks attend college courses, enjoy live entertainment, and exercise in a state-of-the-art fitness center. To find out more, call 800-56-SENIOR. Every aspect of the Riverwalk experience has been thoughtfully crafted around one central mission to help your loved ones live forward each and every day. Call 856-SENIOR. That's 856-SENIOR. Or go to riverspringhealth.org. Come see Rory McIlroy, Bubba Watson, and more of the world's best at the Travelers Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut, June 19th through the 25th. For tickets, visit travelerschampionship.com. Fan 2020 Sports Time 604 correction from before tonight's pitching matchup with the Mets. Matt Harvey against Tyler Glass now, not Andrew Twiggs. He's going for the A's. Golden State Warriors are heavy favorites going into the finals, but Cleveland's Kevin Love disagrees with that label. The whole underdog thing is, is, is funny to me because, yeah, at the end of the day, we are defending our title when we're, we're trying to, to repeat, which is so hard to do. But um, I don't feel like we're underdogs. I think we're... Uh, we match up well with them, and I think they say the same about us. Cavs 12-1 and this postseason. Dubs 12-0. and They split the regular season matchups. Game 1 is Thursday, and in soccer, the Red Bulls defeated New England 2-1. NYC FC's at Atlanta United FC today with pregame on WFAN.com at 4.50. We'll join in progress right here on the fan once Yankee postgame ends. Your One Blood donation can help save the lives of up to three people, make a difference in the lives of others. Give blood through the American Red Cross to help hospital patients. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcrossblood.org today. 60 and fair in Central Park, and that's what's happening. I'm Dave Uram with 2020 Sports on WFAN Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, your flagship station for Boomer and Carton, morning 6 to 10. Francesa on the fan, afternoons 1 to 6.30. I'm Bob Salter. Hopefully you are well. This extended weekend for a lot of people, it's a holiday weekend. And hopefully you're able to enjoy the weekend. And at the same time, keep in mind what this weekend is really all about in terms of honoring those people who have served our nation in various forms with the military over the years and have made the ultimate sacrifice. Because Memorial Day is about more than just sales. Something to keep in mind. Well, on our program today, we should have a couple of very interesting discussions Guests are joining us who've spoken with us before, and in a way, all of the show today is very timely in discussion. Uh, In the first hour of our program, I'm very pleased to say that the chairman 
for Mainstream Mental Health is joining us again. His name is Dr. John Huber. Uh, Dr. Huber has joined us once before on our program. We had a very good discussion at that time, and there's a couple of different things that I want to get into in discussion. First of all, it's nice to have you back on our program. Good morning. Welcome back to The Fan. Well, thank you for having me back on, Bob. A little bit of background, if you will, on mainstream mental health, and then there's some things that I want to get into in talking with you. But for our listeners' benefit, how do you describe what mainstream mental health is all about? Well, we're trying to go out there and bring mental health issues up to discussion and help bring awareness that mental health issues affect everybody, whether you have a diagnosis or not. And we shouldn't be afraid of them. They're, they're a human component. And after that, our main focus now at this point is trying to create a fund to uh, provide for outpatient therapy for our veterans, because as it is, it's 130-plus dates days average before they can go see a therapist in uh, in the VA, and they're committing suicide 22 a day at this point, and we need to do something about that. You know, that is, uh, uh, the first word that I comes to mind is uh, I hear you say that statistic is it's an atrocity. Yes. And it doesn't have to be, does it? No, it doesn't. How do we get a handle on this? Well, you know, again, one of the hardest things to do is, is especially a military veteran, is to get them to realize that there are people out there who can help. Um, the reality that there are things that can be done to make their lives much more bearable and more tolerable, and they don't have to stand up on their own, however you're fighting a culture of the military, which, you know, rightfully so, it's designed when you go into the military to teach you to be rugged and tough. It increases the likelihood you'll actually survive war. But we don't, you know, untrain that skill when they come back home. And so they're trying to handle their, their in a lot of cases, post-traumatic stress disorder on their own because they don't want to be broken, so to speak. And that's kind of the culture right now is in, in the military is if you have mental health issues, you are broken and you're a liability. That idea of being viewed as broken and a liability, and that applies in, you know, more than just those who served in the military. A lot of people tend to look at... Um, people who seek mental health um, treatment or who have mental health issues as being broken or defective in some way. How, how do we get past that? How do we change that sort of approach thinking? Well, again, it goes back to demystifying mental health issues. Mm. You know, we don't ever talk about them. And it's kind of like a dirty little secret. I mean, there, there are cultures today that if you have a mental health issue, be it any type of cognitive, what we used to call mental retardation, or if you have schizophrenia or delusions and, and hallucinations, the families you know, will actually hide you from society because there's this belief that somehow God has cursed the family and the quote-unquote well children need to be viable 
uh, commodities for marriage and things like that. And if they let the world see that they have this, nobody will be able to get married and things like that. So it's 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 about bringing that information basically to the kitchen table and and letting everybody talk about it. When we talk about mental health in 2017 and talk about the approaches that are taken, um, are there more services, better services available for children as well as adults? Well, what we've got in our public education system is, you know, federal rules about uh, having access to mental health providers in on on campuses, uh, it's you know mandated that they have access to school psychologists as well as school counselors, and there's there's actually federal law mandating certain protections for individuals who have uh, disabilities, whether it be a learning disability or an emotional disability like anxiety or stress. Or in a lot of cases, we get kids who have been victims of abuse and actually are diagnosable with post-traumatic stress disorder. Hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you as well about this event in England, the terror attack in Manchester. 22 people killed at this Ariana Grande uh, concert. A lot of people obviously horrified, and initially, at least, there was a lot of expression of fear. Is that a natural reaction, and is that something that needs to be addressed head-on? I, I think it is a very natural a natural reaction, if, if you think about it. I mean, they didn't go after a Jimmy Buffett concert where the majority of the people there are over 40. They mm-hmm. went after Ariana Grande, who the large, largest proportion of people going to that are little girls between about 8 and 16 years of age. I mean, it was targeting a very vulnerable uh, group of people in our society. And it was, it was intentional. I mean, they want to scare every parent. And with that fear, though, we have to have a little bit of rationale. I mean, it's the statistics on being a victim of a terror attack or something along the lines of being bitten by a shark, not just once, but actually twice. So, but that fear is real. And then the other aspect of this is for the performer, Ariana Grande. How... I guess, how does she get past or how does she deal with this having happened where she was performing? Well, in my understanding from what I've read, she is, is feeling somewhat responsible for, for what happened, but the reality of it is she's not any more responsible for it than the 22 victims are responsible for it. The, the fact that, that she has a job in our society to entertain people is potentially there makes her more vulnerable to these types of things. 
for example, you know, I don't have, you know, 10,000 people following me around every time I go talk in, in a one big arena. So I'm a low target, you know, I, it wouldn't have much of an impact. But you get somebody, whether it's, it's uh, Ariana Grande or Billy Joel, and that makes them a, a bigger target, but it doesn't make them responsible for it. And I think she's understanding that. She's also taking into fact that there is some consideration. There has been loss, and she's addressing that. She's taking some dates off. But she's really doing the right thing by saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go on with our lives. You know, we're we're not gonna let that shark attack keep us from going back in the water. Very important words from our guest in this first hour of our program. Dr. John Huber is talking with us. As I've mentioned, he's joined us before on our program. He's the chairman for Mainstream Mental Health, which is on the web at mainstreammentalhealth. That's all is one word. dot org. Uh, Dr. Huber is a clinical forensic psychologist. He's also a, a practitioner, uh, and he's a professor, teaches undergraduate and graduate psychology at Texas State University. He is with us this hour of our program. We have a lot of other things to get to in discussion as well because um, there's a lot of areas where I want to go. I'll mention the fact that if you want to, if you're on point with some of the things that we're bringing up, you're certainly free to join us at any point, 877-337-6666. We are in discussion with Dr. John Huber on our program this Sunday morning. You want to join us in the discussion, 877-337-6666 is our number here at The Fan. We were talking about uh, a little bit about uh, mainstream mental health. You're the chairman for uh, the nonprofit organization, and we talked a little bit about this um, aftermath or, I guess, of, of fear, of concern after the terror attack in uh, Manchester. One of the things that I read in preparation for our discussion today involves overweight children. And this yes. pushes a lot of buttons for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, because there's a study out, I was reading this earlier this morning, that talks about the idea that overweight kids face a higher risk for depression as, adult, as adults. What's your reaction to that? Well, I think, I think there's a lot of components, you know, if, if, if you remember the study, they, they said this isn't necessarily causal. It's a correlation. Right. And what we see is kids today don't do the type of physical things that, uh, that, that we did as a kid. In fact, I was teasing my kids last weekend that one of my favorite toys as a child was, was that stick that I could find and down in the creek bed. And, uh, you know, they spend so much time, every child, sitting in front of a monitor, either on their tablet or on their phone or on their computer, and not outside. We can drive around our neighborhood, and there are very few, if any, pickup games of football and baseball and basketball like there used to be in every neighborhood across this country. And kids are locking themselves indoors, essentially, and they're not doing the physical activities that our biological body needs to function properly. We're not getting sunlight exposure. That exposure actually increases the production of, of neurotransmitters 
including serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine, that our bodies need to regulate itself in normal mood and uh, affect regulation. In other words, you know, whether you're depressed or happy and sad. And we're, we're limiting that exposure, period. Then we have this social media phenomenon where they may have 600 friends on, on Facebook and Instagram, but if they get sick and are stuck at home, you know, nobody's going to pick up their schoolwork from, from their teacher and drop it off at their house that day because they don't have those kind of friends anymore. Right. And that's, that's the amazing thing. It's a difficult thing for those of us who grew up in a different day and age to, to kind of wrap our, our heads around, isn't it? Um, so that's one of the things with it is it's a little difficult at times for parents to kind of comprehend, to understand that. What role does, if any, does self-esteem play in the way in which overweight kids handle depression? Well, self-esteem is a a trigger point. If you don't have self-esteem, if you don't feel like you have value or worth, it makes those moments of self-doubt when you start talking about, I'm a failure and this isn't going to work. I just can never learn this math program. I can't figure out how to do this. It all turns back around on on ourself. I mean, I think having artificial self-worth, self-esteem is much worse than not having it at all because then when people do good things and they are productive and they do wonderful, you know, maybe they, they, they help society in a significant way, if their whole life they've been touted as this, this great person who really never did anything, when, when they do something worthwhile, they don't believe it. And so it's like the bottom drops out even though. So we have to be very concerned. We don't want just to glorify my child or my friend or whatever just because they show up to class on time. But when they get a good grade on a test, they need to be exalted. Hey, that was a great test. And, of course, our society is such that we even minimize that. We tell kids, oh, you need to be able to take criticism but when they do something well, we make excuses for it. Oh, it was an easy test. And the fact it was easy was because they studied for it and they were prepared for it. It doesn't mean that the test itself was easy, but they're minimizing. So that self-esteem is, I think, a very critical trigger. I don't think it's what causes the depression. I think it exacerbates or helps children overcome it, depending upon where they're at. Hmm. Interesting um, comments, and I want to follow on this whole issue with this study and with overweight kids. What I said we'll do as well is to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, WFAN's toll-free line, 877-337-6666, brought to you by Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, Pocono, and Resorts, Atlantic City. Let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666 is our number. And let's head over to uh, Drew in uh, Howell, who is called in. Drew, good morning. Welcome to the fan. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. And 
as I'm sitting here waiting and you get that anticipatory feeling of, oh, my gosh, I'm about to be on the radio. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I love talking to people. I, I, I do. I really do. And I enjoy calling in the fan for every show. But I have to tell you, I mean, sitting here waiting, I've got tears in my eyes because I'm a 10-year Army veteran. And I worked at a lot of hospitals, a lot of VA hospitals in my time. And I remember those poor guys who, even after Vietnam, and you're talking, this is 1992, and some of the cases that were so severe and the stigma was so heavy, those poor kids that were once 18-, 19-year-old high school baseball players and football players that were drafted and shipped off to Vietnam, and the things that they encountered and the things that they endured and the things that they saw, when they came back, Nobody could understand what they had seen because they hadn't witnessed it with them, and yet they were still sort of stocked away in rooms. And the stigma was, oh, he's shell-shocked, or oh, he's, you know, it's what he saw. He can't handle it. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't take it. And I remember these poor guys that were in their 30s and, you know, going into their, their late 30s at the time, screaming in the middle of the night screaming, and the help for them was virtually non-existent. I mean, they, they would give them medications that would calm them down. If people took just a few minutes, instead of saying something like making a comment and realizing that the horrors of war, and I was active duty during Desert Storm, and I spent about a year and a half in Korea, and while I didn't see any of that, of what the Vietnam veterans and the Korean and the World War II veterans saw, the stigma is they can't take it, when the fact is they just need a little help to be able to cope with it. And mental health is where veterans usually get the hardest crunch. But I've got tears in my eyes thinking about some of those guys that would scream in the middle of the night, just screaming for help because they would see things in the shadows and hear noises that elicited reactions in them that were horrific. And I can't, I will never get that out of my head. I will never ever forget any of those boys that, that were going through that. And they're still living it to this, to this day, where the World War II generation was welcomed with open arms. The Vietnam generation was not, but they also have to shoulder that and the psychological wounds that they have to carry, and they still carry. But it's really, the, the government really has to do something for these men and women coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. Things are being done, but it needs to be more of a, a social approach needs to be not to make fun, not to make a joke, not to make a comment. But I'll hang up and listen. And thanks for, for really for focusing on this, because it is so important. God bless you guys. Take care. Thank you. And thank you for your thank service you, as well, too. Dr. Huber? Well, again, you know, the government should be doing something. We, we promised them that we would take care of them if they took care of us. And the problem with that is, I can only facilitate change very slowly with the government through my vote, through my voice. And that's one of the reasons why we started mainstream mental health. It's like, let's, like, let's take mental health, make it a mainstream topic, and then let's actually do something for it. Let's go out there and create a fund where we can get these guys services. And, you know, down here we've been working with one of our mental health courts, uh, you, it's actually not a mental health court. It's a veterans court, but it, but we call it veterans treatment court. 
And what we do is we get our veterans who may be in some kind of altercation or even DUI drinking under the influence or something like that. And instead of just being punitive, we actually take our veterans and have them walk through and get, you know, re-socialization skills that they didn't necessarily get when they came back and then start teaching them and educating them. And then they also court order them into the therapy, trying to shorten that 130-some-odd-day wait to get in to see a therapist at the Veterans Administration. And that's lowered it to 90 days. But during those 90-day wait, we're doing all this education through the courts themselves. And we found less than a 10% recidivism rate for, for these veterans after three years, which the, and the national average for the whole population, veterans or civilians, is 68%. And that, that supports what Drew was just saying, that, that this is a mental health issue, and we take care of those mental health issues, and our soldiers can come back and have normal lives and be functioning. It's an amazing situation when you stop and think about that kind of a wait for somebody to be seen at the VA after having served this country. I mean, again, that to, to me, that's just completely unacceptable. And it, it's something that I think people should just be completely outraged about. Um, you know, maybe this is a time, because it is Memorial Day weekend, to try to drum up some of that uh, sense of uh, outrage and have people express themselves uh, about that because it's, it is, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, when Drew mentioned about people who came back from Vietnam and you think all these years since the Vietnam War ended and for a lot of the people who were there who were dealing with these issues this goes on i mean all these years later it's 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 incredible that it, that it just goes on and lingers and basically it will for the rest of their lives yes and just because they get treatment doesn't mean that it goes away they right. just learn to handle and function hmm well, it's an interesting discussion that we're having. I want to get back into talking about the whole situation with overweight kids as well. We'll right. entertain um, thoughts from folks along the lines of that and the other areas that we have raised in our discussion. We're talking with Dr. John Huber on our program. He is the chairman for Mainstream Mental Health, which is a nonprofit organization on the web at Mainstream Mental Health. That's all as one word, dot O-R-G. And he's with us this hour of our program talking about some mental health issues and uh, challenges. As I mentioned, Dr. Huber is a clinical forensic psychologist. He's a professor and uh, teaches undergraduate and graduate psychology at Texas State University. He's with us this hour of our program. You want to join us on point 877-337-6666 is our number. You're at The Fan. It is Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. Along on our program this morning in this uh, first hour is Dr. John Huber. Dr. Huber is chairman for Mainstream Mental Health. Um, it's on the web at Mainstream Mental Health, all is one word, dot O-R-G. And he's talking with us about a um, number of issues surrounding uh, mental health. We've talked a little bit about overweight uh, kids 
I said what we'll do is try to work in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us as well at 877-337-6666. Let's go back to the phone. Let's go to uh, Rich in uh, Newtown. Is that Newtown, Pennsylvania? No, Newtown, Connecticut, as a matter of fact. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. I also wanted to start off by thanking the veterans. And, Drew, thanks very much for that call just a little while ago. And, Doctor, I'm going to ask, I'm going to make an opinion and then just sit and listen to your response. I think that obesity, like like drug abuse in our youth, is a symptom. And I believe, you know, what did we do? What did our society do to stay together uh, before mental health industry was created and all these drugs? And uh, I actually had a, a Iwo Jima veteran Marine that told me that during boot camp in World War II, they were required to go to church. Well, my personal, and I watched, you know, from the Oklahoma bomber to the uh, Boston bomber, the uh, dysfunctional families of these people. And I don't think that they really feel the love of maybe that's what causes them to either, either overeat or take drugs or even, and I, I'm really pointing a finger at our society that we don't love each other enough to embrace these veterans when they come back. And here we are, you know, you're describing these meds and these uh, 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 ways of addressing these uh, veterans when they come back. But I feel like that if we embrace them, and it's really a societal problem, we're chasing big screen TVs and vacation destinations, and we're contributing to the problem in their pain. And our Judeo-Christian roots are to love each other to the point of being willing to die for each other. And here these veterans coming back, they're the strength coming back to weakness. And here weakness is saying that there's some problem with them. Doctor, I just wanted to listen to your response to that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your call this morning. Well, Rich, I think I think it is a big problem. In fact, you know, when I have children, for example, who who do have an obesity problem, and they come into my practice, I try to get the whole family to work. I don't target that child. Uh, it, it is a big system problem, and you know, you hit on some key topics. And again. That's that's what I'm trying to do is bring this up so we do talk about it and realize that we 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 care about our soldiers when they're out there defending us, but when the battle's over, we don't want to deal with the aftermath. And mental health is an unseen uh, wound. You don't see that that they they're missing an arm. You, you you don't see that in mental health, and it's easy to just look. Oh well, that person has a drinking problem, and we'll let them sit on the street corner. It, it you you are talking about probably the the most significant thing if we could somehow impact that, and that's what I'm trying to do with mainstream mental health is get this out there and make it a topic of conversation and and get people to realize that we have this responsibility, and really not just to our our soldiers, but them in particular, but to everybody to welcome them with open arms to the human race and realize that nobody's perfect and we all have issues, and we need to be able to lighten the load off of everybody. And what is the response like? (laughs) Well, you know, I I get invited to be with with amazing people like you, Bob, because we're we're out there and, and people are starting to realize what's going on. I'm seeing more and more coverage of mental health issues. The more we talk about it, the more stories I see about it. And I, I think we're, we're slowly chipping away at the stone. Being overweight as a child, does that tend to lead, or is this a wild jump to say it's going to lead to 
the child then becoming undisciplined with food choices as an adult? You know, the, the, the food choice issue, what, what I see with, with children usually is that they really are a symptom of a bigger family issue, much like Rich was talking about with our society. And a lot of these children have an increased chance of, of having these types of issues as adult, but a lot of kids, it, it becomes a springboard to, to motivate them as adults. Uh, it can be a, a two-sided coin, though. If they're not in an environment where people support them like their family and educate them, but not in a punitive way, not make them feel like they're, they're somehow defective again, but that the whole family, the whole community is there, and they all need to, to increase those healthy behaviors and, and help each other make better choices that, that they become empowered and it can be beneficial to them. When we talk about foods, there are a lot of people who don't want to go the antidepressant route. What type of foods promote the production of more serotonin? Well, that's, that's kind of an interesting thing because our central nervous system is protected by a, a membrane and it's there to ward off large molecules to keep things like bacteria from getting into our central nervous system and giving us infections in our brain such as meningitis and like that. And because of that, for example, if somebody is low in serotonin, we can't just inject them with serotonin into their shoulder or their hip we have to circumvent that membrane, and that's where uh, the antidepressants, the reuptake inhibitors are there, and a lot of other psychotropic medications. But what we find out is the sunlight affecting and, and hitting our skin, you know, without any kind of filters, without sunscreen, your body starts producing different vitamins. In your, in your skin, and it uses nutrients that we ingest to build those vitamins. And then it, the leftovers from that, the waste products from that, actually can penetrate that blood-brain barrier, and then your brain utilizes those waste products to make the serotonin, to make the, the cortical steroid, or the, um, the dopamine. So what needs to happen is we need to be active people and get outside, not just focus purely on your diet, because it's not just what you ingest, it's the things that you do and how your body takes the food that you ingest and utilizes it. Dr. John Huber is who's talking with us on a program on the fan this Sunday morning, this hour of our program. We'll take some calls as well at 877-337-6666. That's our phone number. Let's go to um, Rob in Lake Success. Rob, thanks for uh, calling. Welcome to the fan. Thank you very much. I want to wish everybody and remember what Memorial Day weekend is all about for tomorrow. It's really an important day. And to all our veterans, uh, thank you very much for serving. Um, Bob, I want to share something. I just spoke with the producer, and it's amazing how uh, the producer told told me um, that the condition I'm going to bring up happened to one of his friends, and I'd like to just share with the audience as a, lo- as a long-time caller to the station. 
Uh, last year, uh, the morning of a race up in Boston, and I mentioned it to uh, one of the calls we talked of a couple months ago, I awoke deaf in my right ear. Uh, just overnight, it's called sudden hearing loss. Uh, completely gone overnight. Uh, I woke up, freaked out, didn't know what was going on, and I completely lost my hearing, sir. Uh, very, very debilitating. Tinnitus came with it. And there's a happy ending to this, by the way, and I'm going to save someone's life, I think, uh, after uh, mental life anyway. Being deaf in one ear, people don't understand. Living with the tinnitus, uh, the noise that was going through my brain 24-7, and having to cope in society with unilateral deafness because understanding conversations, talking to people, I couldn't, I'm missing half the conversations. Uh, localization, uh, doctor, uh, whereas I can be in a parking lot trying to find my car, I can't find it because the brain uh, does not pick up 360 degrees. I only have 180 degrees. Complete frustration, withdrawnness. As much as I'm an outgoing person on the phone, uh, it was it was de- very debilitating. The tinnitus was probably the worst. The happy ending, sir, is and 5,000 people across the country a year. That is such a small number. Get this condition. Wake up deaf overnight. For usually they think it's a virus. I had a cochlear implant implanted in my ear. I am in a study now uh, because I'm so rare that uh, have losing my hearing in one ear. It's, it's not approved that um, it's something that is given to deaf people who have a complete hearing loss or almost complete hearing loss. Mm-hmm. The happy end of the story is I have hearing back. I had to go through a surgery, and my tinnitus is gone. And the minute my hearing was activated, sir, the tinnitus ended. And talk about happiness, talk about relief, and talking about welcome back to the world of hearing. Nobody could understand this. My wife, my family, it's been frustrating. My business, I'm a, I'm a practicing podiatrist. Uh, very, very difficult. But hopefully, if there's anybody out there who is, is losing their hearing, who is battling something, has developed my condition, as, as, the, as the producer uh, has a friend who's had this condition, maybe this will save someone's life. And it's, I'm proud, and I found help. And um, I want to hear your thoughts on the deaf community, on what people who are struggling trying walking around day to day and 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 not able to communicate uh, seniors people who have been in the army getting shell shock from hearing different noises and, and explosions this is a problem with people coming back from overseas in in desert storm and i i know of people the same i've run into people along that thank you bob for letting me share this story my story is a happy ending because I found relief and I found the right doctor. Thank you, sir, for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, too. Dr. Huber? Well, you know, I see a lot of of commonality or common connections there with with mental health as well, because he's talking about these struggles because of a physical problem that, again, nobody else can see, but he has to deal with. And he's exactly right, getting the help and finding Finding services, finding something that can actually benefit you is very dramatic and important. I mean, you can hear the the veracity in his voice and how much that that his life is back to normal. And I know that, I mean, I've got a, a list of veterans that I work with that, down here that they just want that. They want to be normal. They don't want to be the best. 
They don't want to be an NFL player or a baseball player. They just want to be normal. They and uh, and how significant that is in a person's life is is understated. To uh, I just can't express how much. Hmm. I just want to ask you one question before we go because. One of the areas of mental health that we often hear people talk about these days is this idea of a lot of people will say they are bipolar. What exactly does that mean? Well, bipolar is a, a, a mood disorder that, you know, takes what normal daily, weekly, you know, every everyday opportunities that most of us experience where we have moments where, hey, you know, the day is just looking so awesome, you know, and you just go on about your business happy, and then, you know, you go go to your car and somebody backed into your car and drove off, and it was a hit and run, and you're like, oh, you know, and your day has kind of gone bad at that point. You know, that normal cycle that we have to deal with every day, but it goes to extremes. The The happy moments are, you know, my patients who have bipolar talk about it, it's it's better than any drug. It's better than any crystal meth or cocaine. That high that they feel, that mania is just, you know, they, they can't describe it and they can't duplicate it with, with street drugs or anything else. And they love being that way. But then, you know, maybe minutes later, maybe a day later, maybe a few weeks later, after being this elevated, the reverse happens and they go all the way down the floor where they can't function, they can't move. And they just don't want to exist anymore. And it's, it's very difficult to deal with that. I would imagine so. You, know, you stop and think about it and think that so many people for years have talked about this. And at times in the greater society, unless you know somebody who has experienced this or you yourself are experiencing it, you're probably not familiar with exactly what's involved. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Dr. John Huber is chairman for Mainstream Mental Health on the web. The nonprofit organization is at mainstreammentalhealthalliesoneword.org. Dr. Huber, as always, thank you very much for joining us on our program and sharing the thoughts you have with us this morning. Thank you, Bob, and I can't believe it's been an hour already, so I appreciate the opportunity. Time flies when you're having fun. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.